Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra. And is it me or has this season gone by super fast, but also kind of slow at the same time? On the one hand, we're already in conference play and it's almost April. But on the other hand, we still have 10 plus weeks of college softball. So we're kind of in that middle zone where time flies when you're having fun, but we still know there's a lot more fun to come. So some quick reminders for the show. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. And Believe in Softball is also on YouTube. Subscribe. The video is pretty cool. I mean, I got to tell you guys, some cool additions that you get from that channel specifically. I'm just saying. But let's go through today's order. First, we'll cover our bases, give you some news and call-outs from around the softball world. Then we'll head into today's interview with Aubrey Monroe. Obviously, she's done a lot on the field as an Olympian, a pro player, a national champion, but I had only heard great things about her as a person, which is really what got me to want to have her on the show. And it was only confirmed by our conversation. And because that conversation was so good, we just kind of kept going on and on. So this episode is part one and stay tuned for next week when we have part two. Then we'll end things with the foul tip of the week where I share tips to help us keep going and to get better. All right, let's go. Covering our bases. It's that time of year as college basketball takes center stage with the tournament finally upon us. If you're looking to wager this year, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your updated odds and info, along with great contests, including the bracket contest, where you have a chance to take home the top prize. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code, BELIEVE, to get started. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet online where the game starts. And honestly, where a lot of conversations about our game has started recently is Oklahoma. It's almost impossible to not talk about Oklahoma, OU, Natty Patigasso, and Jocelyn Allo, who, by the way, yes, we have to acknowledge, has now hit the triple digit mark in terms of career home runs. Like she's past 101 Dalmatians. We're already moving forward even beyond that. And it's no surprise. It's great for our game. But I have to say, with all this talk, I really want to point out something that, you know, if you watch the midweek game, for example, with OU and Kentucky, they talked a little bit about how Patty Gasso talks about this, which is she still has certain things that she wants the team to work on in terms of bringing it all together. Home runs just by themselves are not enough to win a national championship. They sure as hell help, obviously. You know, home runs are going to get it done for you. But Hitting is the most fickle part of our game. Defense, solid pitching, having all of those things working together is really what's going to get it done. And it's like when you look at the Oklahoma lineup, you have a Jordy Ball in the circle who is fantastic as a pitcher. You have like Grace Lyons on defense and and making great plays. And then you also have not just Jocelyn, by the way, even from the hitting side, but multiple people in their lineup hit multiple home runs against Kentucky and they have been you know doing things like that all season long so it's something where any coach would think of it this way like you have the superstar there's no doubt about it that they are an impact player a game changer but it's so much bigger than that so just bringing all the different parts of the game 
together, I think, is why truly this Oklahoma team is a generational team. Obviously, they're getting it done no matter who they play. They're still undefeated as of, you know, that Kentucky game going into the weekend. But there's still so much more going on around the country. And one of the biggest things that started for college softball is conference play. The upsets just continue. And I kind of wonder when it's time for us to just stop calling them upsets and just start calling it parody in the game. I think that's actually gives a little bit more respect to the teams that are getting these wins in these situations. But, you know, softball's got its own March Madness going on in a lot of ways. But for me, it's like I love the quote-unquote surprises. You know, when you prove people wrong in a positive way, it's just a different kind of feeling. And you really deserve that feeling when you do that. But when you look at the SEC, you know, Texas A&M took a game from Florida. Tennessee took the final game versus Arkansas. Kentucky beat Alabama in the last game with Montana Fouts starting in the circle. And I also have to point out, notice how I started these sentences with who won. I used to kind of hate it as a player when headlines would say like, for example, when I played, Arizona loses to Stanford. Instead of why not Stanford beat Arizona, right? Like give a little more credit to the accomplishment versus the quote unquote failure Despite whatever the narrative already is out there, like whoever's supposed to be the better team or whatever the rankings are, it's like that used to always bug me. So I like to lead with that now when I talk about these teams and these programs. But, you know, outside just the regular conference play, Texas also swept LSU in a series. And this is after LSU previously took two from Alabama. So the bottom line is that trying to predict anything at this point is just going to give you a headache. I would just recommend tuning into the games and just enjoying. Soak it all in. It's it's fun, you know? And I want to specifically look at the Pac-12, okay? Just look at the whole landscape of the Conference of Champions. So Cal took the series from Washington, who at the time, and still is in some polls, a top 10 team in the nation. UCLA, obviously the oldest softball rivalry there is with Arizona, but it was their first sweep against Arizona since the 1989-1990 era right? And it's funny talking to Coach Kelly I this week, that was when she was a freshman. You know, her her team was like, hey, Coach, did you realize that that was the first time since 89 that we shut them out three times in a row? She's like, yeah, I know. It was my freshman year, you know? But in addition to that, the way that that happened was Holly Azevedo, for example, throwing a no-hitter. And she's really flown under the radar throughout her whole career, but she's been actually really solid if you look at her stats. And now she's just getting that time. She's getting that moment and it's her time to shine. She's top five in the pack in terms of wins, ERA, strikeouts. And then obviously there's Megan Framo, who, by the way, oh, she's also hitting in the lineup now. And she hit her first career home run. Just that UCLA two-way player legacy that you love to see. And then in addition to that, Utah took a game from Oregon. And even though Oregon lost Yanez in the circle for the season, their offense has just been erupting. Like the Ducks hit five home runs in the series and have at least one home run in 15 consecutive games up to that point. And over 30 of their home runs this season have come during that time. So they're really on fire offensively. ASU, on the other hand, also on fire. They swept Oregon State, which is not an easy task. This is a team who's also overlooked. Mariah Mazone is the top five in the pack in terms of strikeouts. Frankie Hamoudi is the top five in terms of home runs. They have over 20 wins. And, you know, they have made it into some top 25 polls and gotten votes in others with none other than the leadership of Laura Berg, who is literally the best to ever do it, the most decorated USA softball player to ever exist. So when you look at that, 
plus a little bit of outside of the conference play. Stanford, now they'll start Pac-12 this weekend, but they beat Mizzou in Columbia on the road this past weekend. It's their second win versus a ranked opponent this year, both on the road, because they also beat Oklahoma State in their house as well. Also 20-plus wins. First time ever they had three no-hitters thrown by three different pitchers. It's the first time ever in college softball, including a perfect game in that. Six consecutive run rolls in preseason. Elena Vodders, the second in the Pac-12 with wins with 11. It just goes on and on. So when you look at the national rankings, there have been five teams consistently ranked in the top 25. The obvious, which is the UCLA, Washington, Oregon, Arizona, and Arizona State. There have been a couple teams on the fringe. The sixth team to enter this week for the first time this season is Stanford. They are number 25 in the coaches poll and the ESPN USA softball poll. But then, like I said, Oregon State, they've received votes and they made some lists in the past like D1 softball's rankings. But even beyond that, look at the quote-unquote unranked teams like Cal and Utah. They're scrappy as hell. The Bears also have 20-plus wins. Tatum and Zaldo leading the nation in hits. Sona Halajian leading the pack in wins as a pitcher. Utah has 15-plus wins. They played Oklahoma extremely closely earlier in the season. Just, I had to say all this because we need to consider the entire conference and consider the rest of the conference for this national recognition because they deserve it. And I think some people are like, oh, some of these teams are surprising us, but it's really not a surprise. We just got to pay attention. So speaking of paying attention, one thing that was really, really cool in my eyes and more broadly, you know, beyond the power five is that St. Thomas beat a top 25 ranked team in South Florida on Sunday. And they are the first program to ever move directly from D3 to D1. That is a huge deal. Like we are skipping levels. It's like skipping a grade, right? The first win that they've had so far against a ranked opponent, but it was just their fourth ever in division one. So you just, you love to see it. And another thing we love to see and hear is today's guest. So let's head into the interview. She is a Tokyo Olympian and silver medalist, Florida Gator and two-time national champion, one of the best catchers in the world and inspiration for the next generation Aubrey Monroe. Aubrey, we finally did it. We're here. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Hearing intros like that are always like, oh, wow. Wow. Thanks. <laughs> it's, it's awesome to be here. I'm glad we can work it out. Well, honestly, I have been excited to talk to you, you know, all your accomplishments on the field and all that good stuff. But when I looked at your website, like your personal website, and I saw like the way that you describe yourself, I was like, this is like, I felt like you were my soul sister in some ways. <laughs> like it was like, I have to list these things off. Cause I like kept reading and I was like, seriously, this I, sounds like my own bio, you know, but it, you said you were an extroverted introvert, major sweet tooth, jeans and t-shirt kind of girl, recovering, per, right. Recovering perfectionist. <laughs> and you love deep conversations over dessert. And I was like, that's literally my life. <laughs> yes. So, okay. I guess first question, I could go in 5,000 directions with this. First question is what kind of dessert is your favorite? Oh my gosh. See, this is where the sweet tooth thing just really takes over my life. It totally depends on my mood. Um, I can do ice cream. Like my poor husband, he's, cause I just want something sweet almost every day. I just need a little bit to end my day and I'm good. Whereas he like he has a lot of willpower in a lot of areas, but if there's ice cream, he's like, we have to stop keeping ice cream in the house. I'm like, 
But I just want it like three bites before I go to bed or whatever. So that's my style. Uh, but cookies, cakes, brownies. When I was in college, I always had brownie mix on hand. So I could just make them whenever I wanted. It was like, same with, I actually had cookie dough in our fridge all the time. Like, again, I just want a little bit. So pretty much any kind of dessert. Um, that's not like, if it's overly fancy and super rich and all that, you start to lose me. But you're plain everyday, like basic desserts. I'm in. You don't even have to ask if I want dessert. <laughs> you are speaking my language because okay, I'm hearing a lot of chocolate like mixed in there too. That's the oh, thing yeah. about me is I'm a chocoholic, but I also <laughs> love ice cream. Like I'm a thousand percent with you. If only mm-hmm. I cooked more and baked more, I might have done the same thing as you with the brownies. But I'm oh, just yeah. not. That's not my thing as much. But I love that you did that. Oh, yeah. It was like, I mean, it got to the point where my roommates in college would be like, Aubrey, are you baking brownies today? Or are you like, do you have cookie dough? Can we have cookies tonight? <laughs> like, I gotcha. Give me 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, my God. I That's so amazing. You have no idea. Oh, I love it so much. But even some of the other things, too, like jeans and t-shirt, like, I think a lot of us, like, athletes, too, are that way. Like, and I just love that. Because to me, jeans are dressing up. I don't know Absolutely. if you feel that way. <laughs> Absolutely. I have – this is the problem in, like, adulthood is that transitioning from, like, being a college athlete where you're basically in sweats all the time anyway, you occasionally dress up, but you can just reuse all that stuff when you do it once a year. Like, <laughs> this is the day I wear this dress every year or whatever. Um, but it's – I don't know. I, I love dressing up a pair of jeans. Like, the whole blazer with jeans trend right now is up my alley. I love it. Um and it's funny because my mom and my sister are both, like, my older sister are both, like, significantly, like, girlier than me. They have always been into more fashion and makeup. And I'm like, I do my makeup the same all the time. I have no creativity there. I just, you know, I'm pretty simple. And and now it's just it's just easier and I just like it. I'm, I'm a pretty simple girl. If you catch me dressing up and really pulling an outfit together, it's a special occasion. Oh, see, we're, we're the same, you and I. Like, this is literally the same. Also, my number was one, also, my jersey number in really? college. Well, yeah, really my whole life, but yes. So there's another thing. You know, it just added to the list. <laughs> Bonded. <laughs> but I love, like, some of the stuff that you say about being number one, too. Like, this is another mm-hmm. thing that I saw where I was like, this is awesome where you talk about being the number one best version of yourself, which I think is awesome. But then also the idea of you have to be odd to be number one. And I was like, what? Yeah. Like I had never thought of it that way, but it's such a cool way to think about it. Yeah. I, um, I saw that somewhere. I can't take full credit for it. It was not fully original, (laughs) but um, (laughs) I just, I saw it and I was like, you know what? That fits. Cause Sometimes people wear number one and it's like a lot of pressure and I'm like, no, I just, I loved it. I, I would think for single digits and particularly number one and being, I mean, I'm 5'10", I'm lanky. So my mom always said that one looked like me, you know, so it, which is so silly, but um, I'm one of those people who was super attached to my number my whole life. I've been number one for, I mean, gosh, almost every season since I was probably 10 years old. Um, And I just loved it. And I just think like, just owning who you are. I mean, the, the aspect of being the number one best version of yourself is important to me because I just really think that everybody has purpose. And I think everybody has unique purpose to them because we're all different and we're all have different strengths and weaknesses and personalities and experiences that 
there's something really special about every person. And I've heard somebody say this before, like the second I try to be somebody else, I'm never going to be the best version of that because I'm not them. You know, I'm just going to be a second best, even on my best day. And so just, I, I've always been really big on purpose and um, like what that means and encouraging the next generation to see that they have purpose. Like I might not know what it is. You might not know what it is yet, but like you have it. And um, just trying to encourage people to just be themselves, you know, cause we're, there's way too many things, way too many things in, and temptations and just like things, especially for young women to want to be like other people. And we just don't have to be that way. I just think we're all really unique and, and that's what makes it great. That's what makes being on a team so great oh, because yes. everybody can bring something different and it's all valuable. It's all useful. Like, yes, you're going to have your superstars, you know, your four-year starter type people and you're going to have some of your role players, but like every little bit of it is important. It's so true. I love, I love this concept too, because a, a quote that I've heard in more recent years is like comparison is the thief of joy. And I feel like that's related to this, right? Where it's like, it's about Absolutely. being the best you. And and those things, I feel like we say them, they're easy to say, but we don't always like actually live by them or internalize it, right? Like it's harder to actually do it. And, but I think it's cool because I do feel like from, from what I've seen you on and off the field, like you do that. And so I think that's, that's why your intro, I was like inspiration for the next generation, because I feel like not just the Olympics, not just the national championships, but that sort of stuff is what makes Thank the difference. You. Yeah. Thank you. That means a lot to me. I, uh, I always really tried to be intentional about that. Um, especially like when I got to Florida, you know, cause in high school, I mean, I'm, tra- I'm playing travel. My goal is to get a scholarship, you know, and get to the next level, whatever that was going to look like. I had no idea I would end up at Florida. Um, but then you get to, I get to a big school like that and it's a whole environment. It's a whole atmosphere. It's a whole fan base. You see little girls, people want your autograph. And I'm like, okay, this means something like I can't just, I've always just really taken it a responsibility over my platform and the ability that I have, not like, not necessarily me specifically, Aubrey, that that there's anything particularly special about me, but like the position I am in the platform I have, it matters. And I need to make sure I'm using it appropriately. And I think that was just kind of the way I was raised really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the part that matters too. I think it's funny because Softball is interesting. You mentioned like the way you were raised. In in some ways, it's like a people from a ton of different walks of life, and you, people were raised like quite differently. But there are some things that seem to be sort of consistent about the way we were raised. Like I was talking mm-hmm. to old teammates about this, where it's just like, you know, that you're raised to be at least encouraged to have like that drive and go for what you're passionate about, and like those types of things. So it's so interesting how it's like. We can all be really different, but some some of those things tend to be like a little bit more universal and, and kind of what we have in common, which which is like you said, what makes the team part so fun. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it's especially like the, you know, every time you go up a level and you, you know, it starts funneling in on those types of people, those types of people with the drive you're talking about um, and like people that are willing to work hard to get to that point, you know, and it starts to kind of like you know, almost weed out people that don't. So then you get to college or you get to whatever level and you're like, okay, wait, you guys all kind of think somewhat the same as me, you know, this is kind of going to work for us. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, that part's really, really cool about it. And I've seen you talk about how Florida in particular was just life changing for you. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, and it's going to a different part of the country, right? Like it's, 
it's exploring like outside of your comfort zone, which I think that's a huge part that maybe we don't talk about enough either about, you know, getting the scholarship and actually going and playing and doing it and competing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know you said you met your husband there and like so many parts of your life came together while you were there. And and I just love hearing about those types of stories because it is like a lifetime decision when you, when you make those choices. Yeah. Um, So my older sister, she's three years older than me. We've always been really close. She went away to play volleyball at a school in South Carolina. And I am like, you talk about me being a jeans and a t-shirt girl, which is like just screams comfort. I am a total, by nature, I'm a comfort zone person. I never imagined I would go farther than maybe Arizona. Like I want to be able to drive home if I have to. Like I need to be able to come home. Um... And so then I started going through the recruiting process and I was getting looked at by Alabama and Florida mostly. And I went, I went on a trip to Alabama and I came home and I, I actually loved it there. I totally could have gone to Alabama. Um, <laughs> and then I went on my visit to Florida, which, but I never would have had the courage to even consider schools like that if my sister hadn't gone before me. Um, Cause she came back and was like, Aubrey, it's a whole other world out there. Like we grew up in Southern California so we're living in our little like bubble in SoCal, Orange County, no less. And um, she went out to South Carolina and she came back. She goes, Aubrey, it's like a whole other world out there. You can always come home. And I was like, yeah. all right, maybe. Like, I don't think so. And I end up all the way across the country. Both of us went all the way to the East Coast. Um, and I just, I mean, turns out my family actually ended up moving my family the first fall I was away at school. So I didn't actually like always get to come home to my hometown. Um, And that was really hard. Um, My freshman year was really, really hard. Uh, I got super homesick. I was not playing to the ability that I knew I was capable of. And I mean, it's no secret that defense is my jam and that offense has been like the steady climb my whole career. Um, So, but even defensively, I was making mistakes that I just don't make as a catcher. And so I was really grinding my freshman year. It was really hard. I was really disappointed, a serious low point in my life. Um, to the point where, I mean, I'd be on the phone just with my mom crying, like, mom, I don't know if I belong here. I don't know if I'm good enough, like just really, really low. And, um, my mom asked me because she knows me really well. And she knew that I needed some type of like potential out, you know, like she needed, she needed me to know that I was not stuck. And so she asked me, she goes, do you want to transfer? And so many thoughts went through my mind. You know, like I said, I was really feeling like I didn't belong, that I wasn't good enough, that I made a big mistake, that this just wasn't the right fit for me that I thought it was. And so she asked me that question and so many thoughts. So all those negative thoughts, but then also like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this all over again at a new school. (laughs) At least some things are starting to become normal here. Um, but just like really unhappy and just struggling with my identity as a softball player and as a person and just didn't know what to do. Um, but I just, I mean, I'm a Christian, so my faith is really, really important to me. And that year really solidified my faith. And so I had, I was praying a lot and I just had a lot of um, really raw conversations with God. And I just like, I just felt like, no, you're supposed to be here. This is hard. It's not going to stop being hard for a little while, but like, you're supposed to be here. And I'm so grateful for that because if I would have transferred, um, I ne- I met, ended up meeting my husband my sophomore year. We won our first national championship my sophomore year, which I started all through postseason. Um, I, I got to work with Hannah Rogers when she just was like lights out. Um, and so then all that stuff happened that following year. 
And if I would have walked away, I I would not have met my husband. I would not have um, won those national championships because I'm mean, going to win again. And and then there's I definitely don't end up making Team USA because I got my invite my senior year of college. And so there's just so many things that really, really go back to my first year of college and the decision I made to, to really just to like stay, you know, to grind and to, to just see what could be, you know, and I went home that summer because uh, it was my, op- my offense totally kept me out of the lineup. We, we didn't have the depth that year um, offensively to, for me to be in the lineup as like an okay hitter, you know? So I would come in and catch a bunch, but I, I was, I was getting pinch hit for a lot and, or not starting and things like that. And so I, I went home that summer and I hit with my dad every single day. My dad played baseball and I was like, I'm never letting my offense keep me out of the game again. It's not going to happen. And so, um, I hit with my dad every day. It was, so it was just like a really powerful experience for me because it's so easy when you're in that low point to just be like, I'm done. I'm over this. This is not what I thought it was going to be. I, I need something different. And I'm just really grateful that I, I stuck it out because it was really hard. Um, but so many amazing things came from like kind of choosing myself and choosing to really see it through and not just like making a decision, but putting in the work to do it as well. And cause that first world series, I ended up hitting a home run on the championship series and you're like, what? Like Aubrey doesn't do that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think, I think it is really hard going away to school and it's definitely really difficult. And there's things that you just don't expect, or even if you do expect them, it's different when you're in it. Oh. And so I don't know. I just, I wouldn't change that year for anything. Cause I learned so much from it. Um, and I'm just really glad that I, I stuck it out because there's so many things that are part of my life now. Um, some of my best friends that I met on Team USA, like just my, the whole direction of my life is it can kind of boil back down to that that one year. But that's why this is such an amazing lesson. So I could relate to the like not not performing how you know you can your freshman mm-hmm. year and then coming back. I hit with my dad every day in the summer too, right? Like totally relate to that so much. Um, but just the idea of pushing through the hard. Mm-hmm. because it's it's so easy. The transfer portal is like more active than ever. And I, I don't begrudge anyone who transfers because I also think right. if it's not the right fit, then it's not the right fit, right? Like do what's best for you, for the program, et cetera. But just sometimes we can jump the gun in general in life with some of these mm-hmm. things, right? And I feel like you are such a great example of not doing that, you know? And it doesn't mean you didn't think about it for a second, right? right. But like yeah. just being able to, to see have that like – I don't know if it's foresight necessarily because who knew what was going to happen, right? But just giving it a chance, I feel like, is such a lesson for all of us to take away from your story. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Like, I want – I loved my experience at Florida. Like, I got I got five years because I was student coach for my fifth year. And I, I loved my experience. And that's what I want other people to have, you know? So I, I'm with you. I don't begrudge anybody that wants to transfer to find the right fit. But sometimes I think we're just – like you said, we're jumping the gun. We're not like sometimes we're in a place to grow, you know, and, and it's the hard stuff that makes us grow. And so, and there's no, like, I can't make that decision for somebody else. A coach can't make that decision for you. It really is up to you, but it's, I, I agree. I think it's, 
we, we've gotten away from being willing to face something hard. And because of that, we're not gaining some of the most important lessons that life's ever going to teach us. Yeah. Right. Which is the point, right? Like really, like right. if we boil it down, you know, it's like, we love the game. That's why we all play. That's why we do this. But like the reason that it ends up becoming such a big part of our life is because of this. It's because yes. of the growth. It's because of this experience, not just, right. you know, playing on the field, which is, we like it, but you know, it's bigger. <laughs> it's bigger than that. Right. <laughs> Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. Man, I, I just see, I knew this was going to be a good conversation, <laughs> but I, I just like go with the adversity thing too. Tell me if this is how you felt, but I look back on that freshman year, for example, my own, and I'm like, okay, well I got through that. So that means I can get through this, whatever thing is going on in my life now. Do you often kind of go back to that in your life? Absolutely. And that's kind of like why I think it's so important that people like there are there are situations where it's like, okay, it's time to get out. But yeah. a lot of these situations are we are learning so many tools. If we can just like see it through when you get on the other side of it, you are wiser, you are smarter, you are you got a little bit thicker skin, like you, you're just learning so many things. And so I just I mean, I the number of times that I have called upon the memories of my freshman year of just like, okay, if I could get through that, like, it's all right. Look at yeah. what happened because I saw it through, you know, something, something is coming for, from this. And again, kind of going back to what I was talking about with purpose, like, I believe that everything has purpose. So if it's, I mean, something that's really, uh, the born ready, if you were looking at my website, um, there's some stuff on born ready there, which is, uh, goes back to something with my grandparents. Um, when my parents got divorced, we lived with my grandparents and, um, I was four years old and, my grandpa is a huge John Wayne fan, like comically a huge John Wayne fan. And um, his, one of John Wayne's famous lines is, I was born ready. And so growing up with living with my grandparents, anytime we would go anywhere, he would say, are you ready? And we had to say I was born ready or like we couldn't leave. And it, when I was little, I was like, oh my gosh, grandpa, like, can we just go, you know, <laughs> like, don't have to say this. But my sophomore year of high school, my grandpa passed away and it kind of resurfaced and it became this really important thing in my family where like we can really latch on to I was born ready, which just goes back to purpose for me. And so it's, I was born ready. So if this is difficult, I was born ready to handle it. There is something in this for me that I am meant to, to gain, you know, if it's good, I am born ready to like, to live through this and live this out and um, like handle it with grace and just all. So it really, became a mantra for my family that we've developed 
over the years of just something that goes back to purpose and that we're born ready for anything. So if it's hard, like, okay, I can handle this. You know, I'm not, I'm not in over my head all the time. Well, and that's what they say too, right? It's like, we're only given things that we can handle, right? Mm -hmm. Like God knows that we can handle them. So that's why he gives it to us. Right. And it's, it's again, one of those things where it's like, okay, we can say that, but we just have to actually believe it, you know, because it's harder to do it that way. But I think that's so cool that you've done that with your family. I was definitely wanting to ask you about Born Ready because it seems like such a great just outlet for you, but also to help the next generation. So actually, if you want to give a little bit more background too on what you guys do, I would love that for the listeners. Yeah, we're actually, we're kind of in a, we're trying to figure out what we want to do because since I was playing so, I mean, with the last couple of years, it's been insane. Um, so, but we were doing camps and like some workshop type stuff. We would do skill work. Um, my mom's a pitching coach. And so she would work with pitchers. I would work with catchers typically. And my older sister handled a lot of the like kind of background stuff. Um, and it just became something that we got to do together. I mean, I live in Florida. My mom's in Nevada. My sister's in California. We're kind of all over. So it was kind of something we wanted to start just to stay in contact. And then, um, from there, our, when we would do a clinic, we would have some type of workshop that was geared more towards the intangibles. So we would talk about grit or we would talk about overcoming adversity or being a good teammate, things that don't get talked about enough in this generation that is like so hyper-focused on their scholarship. You know, So I just think we started to lose some things when recruiting kind of took over travel ball in such an extreme way. We started to lose that like just compete team aspect of like, I've got your back, you've got mine, instead of looking in the bleachers to see what coaches wear and oh, did they see me get that hit and da 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 da. And so I was, I'm grateful for the time that I did go through recruiting. It was starting to get early, but my team was so focused on like, no, we're here to win. And if we are winning, if we are playing well, like you'll, the rest will take care of itself. Like you will get your scholarship. And so, um, I just think we started to lose that a little bit. And so we tried to bring some of that into um, our camps, basically, that being a good teammate is like the foundation for the way I play the game. It's a little bit how I'm wired, a little bit how I'm raised. And so talking to kids about that, like that it matters how you talk to your teammates, how you support your teammates, that you see your teammates, um, all that type of stuff was really, really important for us to include. You hit on something so important. Like this, this is important for us to talk about as a softball community, just even when you're being recruited, it's like, why, why do you want the scholarship? Right. It's because you Mm -hmm. love the game. You want to play, you want to compete, you want to win when you get to wherever it is that you're going to go. Well, if you're not doing that now, you're not preparing yourself to actually be able to do that with your team later on. And I think that Mm -hmm. you're right. Like we have lost that a little bit. I love that there are efforts like yours to get back to that because it is, that's like you said, you know, that's like where we learn the lessons and like how we become better softball players too. Like, obviously we, we are talking a lot about the intangibles in general, because that is, I think what matters most. I think we both agree with that, but, but really it's like, if you want to be better, it helps too. You know, like if you want to win, like actually this is how to do it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, It's been something that's very, very important to me. And I've seen it play out at every level I've played, you know, Mm -hmm. that, the, the values of being a good teammate are classic. Like they never go out of style. Nobody's going to be mad at you for being a good teammate, you know? Right. So I just think like, oh, oh my gosh, you're being so supportive and encouraging. You're the worst. Like that, no one's ever going to say that. <laughs> no. So 
I just think, um, I don't know, the whole, the pursuit of the scholarship, and it, I, I am a firm believer that, like, everybody pursues scholarship sometimes for a different reason. Some people just love the game and want to play at the next level. Some people want to get away, and this is their avenue to do it. Some of them need to get school paid for for the sake of their family. You know, it's, I really look at recruiting as a very holistic thing. Like, re- recruiting in my family was a family discussion. Mm-hmm. Like, if I, if we're talking scholarship numbers, if my family can't afford or can't help me or, or if I can't take on the student loans or whatever it takes to put something together for my college experience, like it needs to be talked about. Yeah. And so I think because while there are a lot of full scholarships out there, there's a lot of partial scholarships or grants or ways to really put something together. And like if you're not talking about that as a family, then you might find yourself in a position where you don't really want to be. Right. And so, I don't know. I just think the whole recruiting process needs to be viewed a little bit more holistically than I want to play at one of the five schools I see on TV all the time. And you know what I mean? And it's and it's hard hearing that from me because, like, I went to one of those schools. Yeah, yeah. I know. It sounds horrible. I'm like, I know. I'm the worst. But truly, I loved my experience at Florida because I became exactly the person I feel like I was supposed to become. And my older sister, who played volleyball at a small NAIA all-girls school in South Carolina, feels the same exact way. Yep. So it's about finding the right fit for you, for your family, for the experience that you want. Like, I got lucky at Florida because I was hyper-focused on softball. I chose Florida because I wanted to win a national championship. But the experience, the overall experience, like when I was going through recruiting, I had some really great people in my corner who were like, okay, make a list of things that are important to you. Because I like high school, Aubrey, who's like 15, 16, like assumed that every college had a football team. Mm. Like, yeah, part of your experience, like going to football games or going to sporting events is important to you. Then you should know if the school you're going to has a football team, you know? Yeah. yeah. Dumb stuff. Like if you hate the color purple, you know, don't. And again, it's all relative. Like if the school that offers you is purple and that's you're like, okay, you're probably going to take the scholarship. <laughs> it's Again, it's all relative, but like, but think about it is the point. Take it all yeah. in, you know, do you know what you want to be when you grow up? I didn't know. I was like, I'm, I have no real like job aspirations at this point in my life. You know, I want to play softball. I want to take it as far as it's going to go. And I, I know I have some interests, but I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. Okay. So I was not super focused on going to a school that would allow me to be a doctor or a lawyer, or I had friends who could have gone to a quote unquote better softball school, but she wanted to be a doctor. And this school was going to work with her schedule to allow her to get the credit she needed to be pre-med. That matters. Yeah. Because unfortunately in our sport, the avenues post-college are kind of slim and we're seeing some growth there, which is amazing. And it excites me, but it's still like, when you think of, it's a funnel, you got high school really, really wide. There's a ton of softball players. And then it funnels down to college at the various college levels. And then it funnels down to maybe pro or international sports or, and it just keeps getting like the opportunities get smaller and smaller. And so if we, as women aren't thinking about the whole thing, I, I just think we're missing it. And that's yeah. easy for me to say as like, yeah, I kept playing and that's great. Like I, I understand that that makes me like a, a one percenter or whatever, but I really believe like 
you need to take in your whole experience. What do you want your experience to be? And try to find, and again, all that stuff is like on a slider scale. Like if it's a top priority for you to get a scholarship, oh, but you want football games, but okay, this is still a higher priority to me. I'll figure it out. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'll go to other sports, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, I think we need to teach kids to take it in as a whole experience because as someone who chose it for softball, when I wasn't playing well, when softball was not a bright spot in my life my first year, it I took it pretty hard. Yeah. You know? So, like, I went to Florida to play softball, and I'm like, I'm sitting there across on the other end of the country thinking, okay, I'm not even doing what I came here to do well. You yeah. know? And it, so I came back part of the transition about my sophomore year was like, all right, Aubrey, you need to get more involved. You need to make some new friends. Like you need to, you need to have some other things going on, you know? And and that was a a game changer for me. Well, being open to it is what really made the difference. Cause if you weren't, then that's a whole other story. But I I mean, I think, I know you said like, it's easy for you to say because you went to like a Florida, because you, you know, played on team USA and did all those things. But I actually think in some ways it it holds more weight to hear you say these things because you did that and you still have the perspective of like, yeah, but you know what? Like that happened to be what was right for me. Doesn't mean that it's right for everybody else. You know, like I I really hope that like, especially the youngsters listening, you know, that that's what they take away from it. Yeah. And that was part of, that was something I, my mom and I would, when I went on my unofficial visits, like that was the conversation we have with the coaches because I wanted to play. Like I wanted to come in and play. I did not want to go somewhere and not play. And we could all say like, oh yeah, we want to play. But some people, and this is totally fine. If you, I mean, you think of kid, like, especially in a place like Florida and I live in Florida still. So like, I see this all the time. There are Gator fans everywhere. Like there are girls playing softball that their dad and their uncle and their grandpa and their grandma all went to Florida. And so it's a big deal for their family to go to Florida. Yep. And you might not be as talented as some of the players that are at Florida to be a starter or anything like that, but you want to go and you want to be a part of Florida softball and that tradition because that's important to your family. Yep. More power to you, girlfriend. Like, but you have to know, you know, I think like we have, we need to really understand. Like we told coach Walton, Hey, my mom asked him, is she going to play here? Cause she wants to play. And if we have to drop down a level, that's fine. She, but she wants to play. Yeah. And he, he told me that I could play there. So I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then I really struggled my freshman year, but I got there. (laughs) But you could, and you ended up, you did, right? Like, but yeah, yeah. No, I think, see, these are all, these are all the things that maybe it is easy for us to say now that we're out of that experience, Mm -hmm. right? Like looking back, hindsight's always 2020, but still it's because we talk a lot about, we obviously want to grow like the pro landscape, and have more opportunities post-college, like you said, but some of that stuff starts in the youth level and like, Mm -hmm. how can we grow like that space and inform that space, you know, educate that, that part of softball, um, because that's, what's going to end up later on filtering to the pro and like the international play. So I think these are all really good points. Um, and I, I switching gears a little bit because I have to talk to you about catching. Um, and I know it's like your favorite thing. Yeah. So, but I just, the way that you approach it is just, I love to watch you. I remember, um, actually, I've seen you play plenty of times, but like one thing in particular that sticks out in my mind for some reason is in Athletes Unlimited, this mm-hmm. past season, I believe, I think you 
there was a mic'd up inning of you, right? That was and it so was fun. <laughs> right. Right. Well, first of all, right, you get to talk the game and play the game. It's like these are all of our favorite things, right? Mm-hmm. But you were working with a new pitcher, calling pitches, talking about it on the headset, like managing the game, right? Doing all the things all at the same time. And it was awesome. Like the way that you talked about it and executed. Uh, it was like one of my favorite. There was so many mic'd up amazing segments yeah. during Athletes Unlimited, but it was one of my favorite was getting to see you do that because we got to get a glimpse into like all the different parts to catching too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Athletes Unlimited does a really great job with the content. Like it truly is kind of pulling the curtain back on some things, which is just so cool and just something that our game really deserves. Um, I really enjoyed doing it because yeah. – I was a little nervous because, you know, you, you got a lot going on. I'm like, I'm calling pitches. I'm working with, like, I was a little nervous, but it ended up being really cool because w- the way I approach catching, the way I really feel about catching is that if I'm doing my job well, no one's going to notice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it was like, so there's so many things about my job that I do, working with pitchers, just the small comments that I make or um, you know, working with a defense and, or simple things like setup and pitch calling, like pitch calling has been one of my absolute favorite parts of the game since college is getting to really learn how to work with a pitcher and call pitches and work setups. And just, it's so much fun. Um, but that segment was really cool because I felt like it really did kind of shine a light on all the stuff that nobody knows is going on. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, Getting to because that's the trickiest part about athletes unlimited. It's really hard to be a part of the battery in athletes unlimited because yes. you change teams and it, you might luck out and be with the same pitcher several times and that's great. But like, there's a lot. Everyone's so good, so you don't want to mess with what they do. But you have to figure it out really fast. And if it's an off day, like it happens for everybody, you're like, I feel so bad. Like I just I, we couldn't get in a groove today. Um, but you're just, you have a couple days to figure it out with somebody. So while that's also my favorite part of the game, the rush feeling of it at AU is hard. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I just, like I said, being a good teammate is the foundation for the way I play the game. And that's how I approach catching. Like my job is to serve, you know, like whatever you need me to be, I want to be it. And so, and I've had to learn the balance of that. Like I think about when Monica came back in 2018 to USA, right. Mm -hmm. And she came back, she was, she was kind of getting set up to make a run for the Olympics. And Monica Abbott is one of the best pitchers in the world. Like just hands down the things she can do with the ball, the way she can locate are unbelievable. Her work ethic is incredible. Like she has a plan. Um, and so that first summer was actually kind of hard for the both of us. You know, she was used to, she, she's worked with the same catcher in a lot of scenarios. So we're both learning each other. And I wanted to be a great catcher for her so badly that I stopped kind of doing the things that I do well. Mm -hmm. I got lost in that mix of who do you need me to be? And like, so focused on that instead of being like, no, what I do, I'm really good at what I do. Like, yes, I want to adapt and help you and, and be what you need me to be. But like, I need to do that within the, like the boundaries of who I am. Right. And so it was honestly, that summer was really hard in some ways, but we went on to win, um, world champions, world championships that year qualified for the Olympics. And when we finished that tournament, me and Monica just hugged and we were like, what did we just do? Like, 
that was incredible how far we have come because our schedule in 2018 was actually really short like it was a very small schedule considering what we needed to accomplish (laughs) yeah Yeah. and it was like oh my gosh we came so far from our first bullpen together to what we just did you know and and building that trust that is so important it's vital to the battery um to be able to get there was so cool and so but that's how I approach catching is I'm, I'm a pitcher's catcher. Like I'm, I'm going to try and figure out how to, to get you where you need to be, be who you need to be, but also maintaining I'm Aubrey. This is what I do really well. I'm going to own it. And like, let's kind of mesh this together. Yes. And that is a very hard balance to strike. <laughs> um, but, but you've done it beautifully. And like you said, it took time, right? Like it, at least in this particular form, like with team USA, but it's, I think catchers are so underrated, man. Like I'm a big proponent, for example, (laughs) right? And it's like, honestly, like these no hitters, these perfect games, like we're seeing all kinds of that actually right now in college softball. It's like, I feel like catchers should get stats about around that, right? Like, I feel like there should be some sort of credit because that is not just the pitcher. Like there is very much like a relationship there, but I mean, we could go on and on about that. I'm sure. You know what? Um, So I started catching when I was six years old. Um, so I've been catching for 22 years. Um, and, um, I, I started catching because the catcher, I was playing for my, it was like rec ball, you know, you're little. And, um, I was playing for my mom and we had like the best pitcher in our division on our teams. We're like, sweet, we'll be all right. And I was, you know, your typical right fielder building dirt mounds, you know, I was not (laughs) engaged yet. And, um, our catcher started crying because, Jenna threw too hard and she was scared. And my mom threw me back there because I was the only one she could force, you know, she's not going to throw some other kids back there. Um, and so I put the, all the gear on the first ball, hit me right in the stomach. And I was, they're like freaking out. I'm six years old. I'm playing up in my division. They're like, are you okay? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I didn't feel a thing. This is so cool. And I just loved it. And ever since then, like, that's really how I fell in love with the game at six years old is because I was, I loved being so involved. I loved like, I used to think of it as like, I touch the ball all the time, yeah. you know? And um, so I just really fell in love with the game that way. And as I started to get into that more, um, you know, my mom, she told me, she goes, Aubrey, she, who was a pitcher, she, and I thought about pitching, but my mom would have made me pitch like every day. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. I want to okay. that <laughs> And so um, she told me, she was Aubrey, if you want a pat on the back, you need to pick a different position because you're not going to get it as a catcher. And she told me that when I was like six or seven. And I was like, okay. So I have been groomed to understand the role of a catcher, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so it worked out having a pitcher for a mom because she could tell me, like, no, you need to get that pitch or you need to, you know? She was uh, she was pretty – a huge asset. Like, the more I look back on it, I'm like, wow, I had a pitcher's mom. Like, some people might think that's a nightmare, but she really helped me. <laughs> I, I mean – I, as somebody whose dad was like their personal coach and pretty hard on them, like I, yeah. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> I get yeah. it. You know? But, but those things shape us too. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously within reason, right? Like, but yeah, I, I am a proponent of like we need to be pushed, and again mm-hmm. within reason because I do think like now I'm glad that things like mental health are much more of a top mm-hmm. of mind for for us and to talk Absolutely. about because it's very very real, but. We, we're still trying to push ourselves at the end of the day. And it helps when you have people in your corner that are doing that, even if you're only six. <laughs> right. And I actually, so something I, you brought up the mental health thing. And I think I'm with you. Like we need to be able to talk about it. And it's been cool to, to see language. 
come up to be able to have these conversations like more easily um, and that people are prioritizing it. Um, but something I've been like wrestling with for a couple months is just like where there's a tension with the mental health conversation, a tension between what you're saying, like we still have to be able to push through. We still have to be able to face adversity. Um, but like at the same time, not to the detriment of how we see ourselves or how we feel about ourselves or like just how we're, we're reacting sometimes even physically, um, and like chemically to things, you know? And so I just, I, if I could say anything on your podcast, it's just that like, we have to figure out where the balance is between this is a hard thing and I'm feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't like it but I, I need to get through it versus I am not in, like, I'm in a bad place, like mentally, emotionally, whatever, like being able to kind of like look at it, take it for what it is and then take a step, yep. whether that's, I need to pull back or I need to push through because I think we're, we're missing, we're missing a lot of really important like people skills and life skills because we, we gave this thing a name and anxiety or mental health. And, and that's important because it's given us really great language to have conversations, especially generationally. Yeah. I think yeah. like sometimes parents have been tough understanding. And, and I mean, we definitely came from a generation where it was like, rub some dirt on it and get over it, yeah. <laughs> you know? So there's so many things that are great about the language that we're getting, but I, I, I worry that it's, for some people becoming a reason not to push through and not to gain really great life experience. Um, and, and just think like, because like we said earlier, when you get through something really hard, when you finally are on the other side of it, you have this perspective that, okay, that was really hard and look what I did. Yeah. You know, look how far I've come. And so, yeah. and again, like I can't answer that for people. Like you can't answer it for people. It's, it's truly like you have to figure out that gauge and that tension for yourself but it's, it's something I've been wrestling with a lot over the last couple months of just like, I don't want us to be losing that, yes. you know, but we also need to be very aware in, in protecting ourselves as well. Yes. That's always been the challenge really. Cause what, isn't it the serenity prayer too, which is basically like, like grant me the serenity to know like when to show strength, when to yes. show compassion, like what the yeah. difference is, right? Like that Absolutely. is the that is the challenge because mm-hmm. I think it is a fine line sometimes, you know, it absolutely is. I, I'm with you though. It's, it's like how we want to keep the good things about yes. going through the hard, you know, mm-hmm. it, it might not feel good absolutely. at the time though. So it's recognizing that it's a mm-hmm. very, very, I think great call out, especially within this topic that is, you know, much more popular now than ever. Mm-hmm. And it's popular because I mean the, like, it's all around us. Like the, yeah. the stimulation from or like our minds is all over because of social media. And I'm not a social media hater. Like I, it gets really easy to hate on it. I'm not <laughs> a hater. I just think it needs to be used appropriately. Um, sure. But I just think like there are differences in this generation coming up, what yeah. they're exposed to, like how much they're exposed to, like it's different. And we would be naive to think that what worked for us is completely going to work for them. But like you right. said, we can't lose the good stuff that worked for us. Like, I think it's more about adapting the good to how it's going to work with this next generation. So that they do learn how to push through hard things. They do learn to, to kind of, cause I just think there's, there's a strength that comes from knowing that you've overcome something oh, yeah. that equips you for the next hard thing you're going to face. And so 
that's, I don't know. I've just been wrestling with it a lot lately and I just feel like it's important. And, yeah. and I, I love the conversations that are being had about mental health. It's so important. Um, but I, I don't want the conversation to just go to like backing away all the time. If, you know, unless you're in a really bad situation or you really, really need, you know, there are situations where you do need real, a real, real help. And, and that's not something to be ashamed of. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but I think you're, what you're getting at too, is like, we need to understand the difference between the two in terms of struggle mm -hmm. versus like really actually needing that help. Because if we label it all as a mental health thing that you're working through, then it's a disservice to the situations where like, no, this is really like a, a next level situation yeah. that needs help, you know? Like, yes. so it, it's, yeah, I totally get what you mean. So do you see why now we just kept talking and had to make this two parts? <laughs> In some ways we were like just getting started at this point, yet we still covered a ton somehow. But like I said, she says deep conversations over dessert are her favorite thing. So we were joking afterwards, you know, when we were done with the recording, like, all we needed was some chocolate to make this thing, you know, top notch, which it already felt like it was, but she's just a cool person. And it's like, she's mastered that elusive balance of being a badass with being kind. But you know what? Maybe that is what's truly badass having that balance. But with that, let's transition to the foul tip of the week. This week's foul tip is about embracing what makes you, you. This kept coming up in my conversation with Aubrey over and over, probably because it's been the key to her success. If she didn't embrace the unique parts of her that make her great, she would not have achieved what she's been able to. She said it herself. And we'll go even deeper into this in the next conversation, part two, but even beyond college and into more elite levels of softball. But I just really want to reinforce and emphasize this because it's true for all of us for anything. I learned this lesson as a player in college too. And honestly, I relearned it now as a broadcaster. You absolutely, for example, you want to watch and emulate the greats because that's a fantastic way to learn. So like when I first started calling games, I tried a few things like that, you know, to figure out my voice. But anytime I tried to copy someone else, even if they were one of the best, it could have been Beth Mowens. It could sometimes fall a bit flat, you know, if I tried to use my broadcaster voice too much and it just wasn't super authentic, right? But when I was myself, that's when it was clicking. I was in a flow and it would also be when I'd get more compliments, honestly, from coworkers, producers, or even just fans on Twitter. And I actually had a full, full circle moment related to this this past weekend. So just some background first. I have to gush a little bit. But growing up playing softball in SoCal... You know, I love doing it all. I've talked about this a little bit. This is why I love the pitchers who hit, the hitters who pitch, because I love to pitch, I love to hit, and I love to play in the field. I was that pitcher shortstop, and I even pitched through my freshman year at Stanford. It was just the most fun to me to do and to watch. So because of all that, one of my all-time favorite players, without a doubt, was Amanda Freed. National champion at UCLA, Olympic gold medalist with Team USA, and just the freaking epitome of a pitcher who rakes. She made being a utility legit because not only was she the queen of doing it all, but she did it all well. You know, the type of player who had an ERA under one and hit above 300. During an era, which by the way, it was harder to hit above 300 than it is now. Like the game has changed. Technology's evolved, et cetera. It was even harder when she did it. 
But it was just players like her that made me want to play in the pack, you know, because they were the best. So now, 20 years later, we called Pac-12 opening weekend together on TV. It was super surreal. Thank you, Pac-12 Networks, for that opportunity. But I, I have to say, one of the coolest parts is that we just got to be two former players chopping it up about the game together. And that doesn't always happen. You know, we could have kept it mechanical and kind of had one person doing strictly play-by-play and one expert doing the analysis. But we knew we had two experts, right? Even though, obviously, she's way more of an expert (laughs) than I am. But just two people who played the game. And our strengths are knowing the game. So it got to be a true conversation. But if we had stayed inside the usual box that kind of, you know, separates play-by-play and, and the color analysts, like, we wouldn't have been ourselves and, and it just wouldn't have been right. And honestly, like, it makes me really happy that versatility is still part of our lives. You know, she's been an analyst for years and she did play-by-play for the first time. And I've been doing both for the last several years and we're honing our craft, you know, from different angles and getting better and just even more versatile because it's just who we are. And we and our work are better for it. So that's it. Embrace what makes you, you. That's the foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, part of the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, wherever you listen, including Believe.com. And you can watch the videos on YouTube, too. Subscribe, rate, and write a review for the show. I always appreciate your support and hearing what you think. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Softball. Again, that's B-L-E-A-V. You can always reach out to me on Twitter at JennaBacera01 and Instagram at JennaBacera as well. Thank you for tuning in and catch you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.